Dr. Dale on Quail, bringing you the latest news and views about all things quail in Texas. Brought to you by the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation, preserving the wild quail hunting heritage of Texas for this and future generations. Major support for this podcast comes from Gordian Sons Outfitters. Hello everyone and welcome to this month's edition of Dr. Dale on Quail. If you're interested in Texas quail, you're in the right spot. I'm Gary Joyner with the Texas Farm Bureau and as always with us is Dr. Dale Rollins. Hello Dale. Good morning Gary, it's great to be with you all again. It is a great month to talk quail. I think one of the topics a lot of people are asking are how many quail are out there? Do we have an idea? Well, there's a lot of angst right now because we've come off of 2016, which was the best quail year I've ever seen. And then by 2018, it was one of the worst years I've ever seen. So the question right now is just how many quail do we have to be able to capitalize on the good conditions? Habitat looked great right now because of all that rain we got last fall. But how many breeder birds have we carried over? So there'll be a lot of anxious ears cocked skyward right now this month listening for how many whistle calls do we hear so it's a great time to be a field and and the uh, the whistle what we call the spring call counts will give us some indication of what just what that breeder potential is who can actually participate in these counts uh, can the layman do it does it take additional training how can you prepare people to do that well I would first of all remind you that the old saying about the best fertilizer is the footprint of the farmer that means if I'm walking behind that grain drill and I'm digging in the dirt to see if my wheat seeds are about planted right, which my dad always did, that just says involvement. Personal involvement is always key. So absolutely, the only people that will have a hard time with this are those 60 plus that haven't protected their hearing. You'll notice I'm wearing hearing aids. I got those because my 20-year-old interns were hearing twice as many quail as I did. So and you've shot too many shotguns. I've been around years. too many shotguns. Uh, that's one of the things that our generation did not do is protect our hearing. So certainly uh, expect lower counts if you have a hard time hearing and invite somebody with younger ears and it'll pay off. All right, help me and help others. Tell me about some of the techniques, some of the uh, logistics of having an effective quail count. Okay, there's various ways that we can count quail. We, we divide those into two general topics. Direct counts, where we actually see the bird. We're doing that in September with our roadside counts. We're doing that at the research ranch with our helicopter counts. So we have to physically lay eyes on the bird. Most com common, and the, the counts that we're gonna talk about for this time are indirect counts. Okay. So we're listening for audible cues, whistles. And then we're inferring from that, if we hear this many, this is poor, fair, good, excellent. And so what is the potential then to forecast the fall breeding or the fall hunting population based on a May whistle count? You gotta appreciate this is a long range weather forecast. So when you, know, when you see something that says, well, it's gonna be cloudy on uh, six months ahead of time, you don't put much stock no. into that. No. But if they say 18 hours ahead of time, it's gonna be cloudy, it's gonna be raining, just the odds and the ability to forecast that are much better. This is a long range forecast. So we're basically, it's, it's a rough estimate of how many breeder birds that we've got. And uh, there's two kinds of whistle counts. Okay. We're talking about both of them today. One of them is the spring cock call count, the traditional Bob White. We'll also talk about the fall covey call counts. This is when you're out and maybe you're, you're deer hunting or whatever and you're listening for the reveille call, the wake up call of Bob White and it goes, And they just do that for a short period of time. So we'll talk about more of those and both those in details. Okay. 
the, uh, the actual method itself, something you want to do year after year, so you've got a baseline of comparison, or if you've never done this, is this a good time to start? This is a great time to start, and ideally, yes, you would build upon this to where it's just like any business situation, you'd want an inventory, an annual inventory. So uh, we can't tell you exactly how many quail you've got out there by listening for these Bob White whistles but it's an index. And when we say an index, basically just like the Dow Jones Stock Index, how does it compare this year versus last year kind of thing? So that's the true value of, a, of an index. And are we better off or worse off than we were last year? And we've talked about, you've got ranches, you've got participating landowners. It's not only on your property that you're, you're conducting these quail counts. You have others listening too, others trying to help you get a sense of what's out there across the range. Exactly. Uh, through my uh, career as a wildlife specialist for Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, about 2002, we started what we call the Texas Quail Index, where we train county extension agents and landowners in these various techniques, and we want them listening around different parts of the state so we can, again, then be able to project, well, based on the counts from Hardeman County, this is what what these individuals are hearing. So it's, it's a little bit like a weather station again, where we've got weather stations all around the state. We want to see what their temperatures, if you will, are and how does that uh, project for the rest of the state then. I guess we're describing bobwhite quail when we're regarding these whistle counts. Is there something similar for blues that's Absolutely. out there? Uh, the, the, of course, the bobwhite, and the only call we're listening for with these spring cock call counts is the bobwhite whistle. <whistles> quail make other sounds. We don't count those. We're only listening for the poor Bob White. But the blue quail equivalent of that is called a whock call. Relatively uh, inglorious relative <laughs> to the majesty of the Bob White. It's called a whock call. It goes <whistles> So it doesn't uh, ring the bell quite like the Bob White does. Uh, the blue quail, we can talk more about that in a minute, but yes, it works well for them. They're breeding birds just like the Bob Whites are. So again, we're just trying to find out how many guys are out there say, hey, I'm looking for a girlfriend. <laughs> and what's a good number? If you and I are out there listening, if you were to write down a number at a particular stop, what number would you hope that to be? I would hope that to be a minimum of six different roosters if I'm talking Bob Whites. Uh, typically at the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch over the last 10 years, we've averaged somewhere between six and eight birds per stop. Now that has ranged from a, as low as less than two birds a stop in 2012. Well, we all know what, what 2011 was, worst drought in, in recorded history. So again, our numbers were very low. Our numbers are low this time. Our preliminary counts, and this is based on only about two or three counts at this time, have been pleasing. Uh, we've been hearing an average of about five birds per stop, okay. uh, which is a little more than what I thought. I, as we spoke last time, I said that the question that I hope I'm getting in May is, where did they all come from? And indeed, as they're singing, people are saying, I didn't think we had a quail left. Where did they come from? So we do have some breeding capital out there, and the numbers at this time would be, I'd say we're gonna struggle to make average, okay. but average for us is pretty good. Now, if I'm over in your part of the world, over around Waco, and I hear one or two, mm -hmm. man, that's great. That's good. Me. So it's a relative deal depending on where you're at in the quail world. How long are we staying at each stop? Is it giving it a chance until you reach a certain number, or are we timing it to make sure we're no, only we, there for so long? No, we time it. So once we arrive at, uh, at our listening post, we call them mile markers. We have 25 of those on the research ranch. Once we pull up to there, we step out, get away from the vehicle, Hit our stopwatch, we're gonna count for five minutes. And I'm listening for two things. 
One is how many quail do I hear whistling? How many different roosters? And we have a bullseye data sheet, looks like an archery target. And we're being able to mark on there where we're hearing those quail. And then how many total whistles do I hear? So my best personal count would be 152 whistles wow. in a five minute period. That's just not quite one every two seconds. So you're busy doing this with tick marks the whole time. Uh, right now we're hearing anywhere from 60 to 80 whistles. And that's kind of a measure of their libido, their drive, you know, uh, don't know how to phrase this, but <laughs> how excited are they? Right. And so uh, you'd like to have them where they're really pumping it out. And a, a Bob White that's hot to trot will be calling about every 15 seconds. I was going to ask you. Yeah, a blue quail less frequently, so maybe every 30 seconds. Okay. Like that. So when you hear that and that stop, uh, that could be multiple Bob Whites sounding off several times. So does it give you a sense of how many birds? Is there, is there a mathematical equation that helps you determine how many birds are out there? There, you can take the number of whistles that you hear. Like if I had 150 whistles during that five minute period and I can divide that by 10, that's a rule of thumb that has proven to be decent for us at the research ranch. So I'd said I would have had 15 birds calling. Now, okay. anytime you get above eight or so birds, it's mass confusion out there. But that's a good thing. Uh, so if, if you've got so many quail, you can't keep up with them. That, that again, is a good thing. And uh, so, again, you can divide that by 10 for us. You'd have to develop that to see if it worked in your respective property or part of the state. But that's been a decent rule of thumb for us. Why, Dale, are these counts important from a management perspective? Why is it helpful to you and others that are managing for quail to have that sense of what's out there? Well, number one, uh, our main objective is trying to project what the quail season is going to be like. Again, we're doing this in May, June. That's what the peak of the breeding season. But we'd like to know it. You and I have a friend named Roy Wilson. Yes. Big quail outfitter kind of thing. He'd love to know, can I estimate what kind of quail hunting we're going to have come November, December, so I can know from a booking standpoint, am I talking about uh, do I need to increase my number of hunters or should I hold back and say we're not going to be able to tolerate me? So a long-range forecast, and so that's, uh, that's one of the main reasons. And the other one, again, is just inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> and again, so if I, let's say, for example, that I've got two sections right here. One, I've done a lot of brush management, prescribed burning. And one of my call counts might be right on the fence line between that and a check area, an area that's grown up with mesquite. And from a management standpoint, can I assess the effectiveness of my treatment if I'm hearing eight birds per stop over here versus two over here? So there's a lot I of see. little things you can glean from it. I see. Great chance, I would think, to get young people out that may not be around quail or even quail hunted before, get them out in the field and let them participate in these kind of quail counts. Absolutely, and like I said, you really want a friend to go with you that has better hearing than yourself. And we've done these to where in a training session we'll use game callers with these bob white whistles on them. So we know exactly how many callers we have out there. And we'll play those for five minutes and say, all right, Gary, how many did you hear? How many did I hear? 77-year-old guy over here, how many did you hear? I didn't hear any. <laughs> well, again, so that points out our fallacies or our inadequacies as far as uh, some of the biases that could come into this. Involving young people, again, that's a great way to, to get them excited, you hopefully, bet. about it. Uh, another thing that we found is a real key in this Texas Quail Index, if we've got a master naturalist chapter, mm -hmm. Texas master naturalist, and these are typically 60-plus old people, many of them women 
but they've done a better job. They haven't been running shotguns all their life. And we found out that one of the common denominators of a successful Texas Quail Index program is a master naturalist chapter. Because they're willing to put the legs and the ears into this. And so it's, it's been a real godsend as far as making a productive count. We've been describing a lot about these indirect counts. Uh, there are direct counts in which you're using equipment. You're using helicopters, perhaps, to go out and visually lay eyes on these birds. How's that work? Have you enjoyed that process? Well, anytime I'm in a helicopter, I'm enjoying it. Uh, helicopters, I tell people that when you in the research ranch is a great ranch to fly in a helicopter because we have some topography. Right. And I always tell people, first-timers, that in a helicopter, you feel like the white feather in Forrest Gump. You're just floating along on the current, and that's what the helicopter feels like. So I always enjoy that. And the first thing that you get when you're in a helicopter is, where did all the brush go? Right. You know, you think, man, this is heavily choked with brush. I tell a rancher that's bemoaning the fact that his place is covered up with brush before he spends thousands of dollars to do this, get in a helicopter and just get up 200 feet and you're probably going to say, where did all the brush go? If it looks thick from the air, it is dog hair thick on the ground. And your country is going to look overgrazed from the air because it just looks, it makes the country look hard. But uh, we worked with Texas uh, A&M Kingsville, Cesar mm -hmm. Clayburg Institute about uh, seven or eight years ago to develop and test a technique using helicopters and some fancy mathematics to be able to say, if we fly this GPS transect within 22 meters either side of that, we think we see 95% of the quail. So by, based on that, we can actually come up with a quail density estimate. And we do that in March and we do that in November. Now that's not gonna be for everybody because a helicopter costs you about 600 bucks an hour. You can cover a lot of ground, yes. but it is a very effective technique. But through our research at the, at the ranch, we do roadside counts. Okay. Now we're doing these in September and we're doing these from a vehicle. So we drive the same route that we're doing with the whistle counts. And we found through uh, our, our analyses out there that our roadside counts are just as accurate as those helicopter really? counts. Yes, so that's a low cost way of getting really good information. And if you're doing those in September, October, again, those are short range weather forecast. So I feel much more confident about saying what my hunting season is going to be like based on September roadside counts than I do with a May whistle count. For those landowners, Dale, that might be managing their property for several species, not just quail, but perhaps maybe deer and others, can that helicopter be used at the time you're flying for quail, be used to look for other species? It can be. Um, the helicopter count that we worked with Cedar Clayberg to perfect is a low level, low speed. So we're flying at about 30 feet and about 30 miles per hour. Oh boy. Your typical deer count, you're flying at about 70 feet, 75 to 100 feet, and you're flying at about 50 or 60 miles an hour. So the deal being that if you're flying a deer count, you're going to miss some quail because if the quail don't flush, you don't see them and they flush better from the helicopter flying over at 25. And hopefully don't flush into the helicopter that's flying over. Uh, we've never had, I've never seen that happen, but it has happened, I'm sure. Typically, as you're flying over them, the They're two people you. in the back seats, they flush behind you. So somebody's watching the, the tail rotor back there and kind of checking to make sure they flush back there. Wind's an issue. It can be blowing on the rolling plains and elsewhere. Can that affect how the birds react to some of these counts if the wind's real strong? It can affect how many times they're whistling, but it affects our ability to hear. So if you're a turkey hunter, especially in West Texas during April, you know, you can almost set your watch at 8.30, the wind's going to begin to blow. If the wind blows more than about 12 miles an hour, our official counts are blown out. We don't do that. So you generally have about an hour and a half. We start these whistle counts about 15 minutes before sunrise. Okay. 
And so if you're not done by 8.30, odds are the wind's going to come up and it's going to hamper your ability to hear those whistles. So Dale, do we actually know who's actually calling out there? What type of bird uh, is out there sounding off? Well, historically, we've always said it's the bachelor cocks, the, the mated cocks. If he's got him a, a wife over here, he's probably not crowing about it. I shouldn't say that, should I? <laughs> but uh, he's already got his, he's, he's got his arrangement set up there. So we think it's largely the bachelors. However, some research several years ago up at Cornell concluded that we really don't know just who's crowing or why. So uh, we, we'd like to think that at least that doesn't change that much from year to year though. And the number you're looking for, if you were to have a, a hopeful outcome? I would, I break it down into four quartiles. If I hear less than three birds, mm, not too happy with that. Three to six, average, six to nine, above average, above nine, I'm excited. Yes. Now again, that is location specific. We're in great quail country there in Fisher County. If I was over in East Texas, I'd downsize my expectations. And again, just hearing one, maybe an improvement on what I've heard over the last five years. So you gotta make that region specific. And blues themselves, uh, blues numbers are different than the bobwhite? Blues, again, they don't call as often. And so if I could hear, if I don't hear but one bird, again, I wouldn't get excited. Two birds would be better. If I heard three or more birds, I'd say that was pretty good blue quail country. In the fall, uh, the covey call counts. Uh, there are some dynamics during that time of year. Uh, you've got official counts, it sounds like, at the ranch in October that are important to you. Tell us about some of those dynamics. Well, we do the fall covey call counts during the month of October. Now, as opposed to the spring call counts, we can do 10 stops because we're only listening for five minutes at a time. And so as soon as we get through with my marker one, we move to my marker two. As long as the wind doesn't blow us out at 8.30, we, can, we might knock out eight or 10 spots. For the fall covey call counts, we can only listen to one because they only call for a couple of minutes. And this is happening about 40 minutes before official sunrise. I tell people, if you're a deer hunter, when it's just still a little bit too dark to be shooting with an iron sight 30-30, and that's not a very scientific phrase, but if you've shot with iron sights, you can appreciate the pink glow in the yes. eastern sky. That's going to trigger the birds to begin their reveille call. But it's only going to last for, like I said, less than two minutes. So you can only do one stop. And so at the research ranch, we do every odd numbered mile marker during the month of October. And what bird is making that sound that morning? That's all birds in the covey. I, I like to say, uh, this is my rendition of it, it's daddy waking up everybody else. And so he wakes up mom, he wakes up Uncle Joe, who's in the family too, and then he finally wakes up the teenage son. Now the teenage son is never in a good mood when you wake him up, so here's the conversation that you're listening for. That last one is the yes. is the teenager saying, I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake. Kind of <laughs> Don't push me out of bed. Exactly. <laughs> now this is an official count. It's an important number for the ranch. The, the covey call counts that we've had uh, typically have been anywhere from eight to 13 coveys per point. Now okay. we think we're listening over an area about 200 acres, a 600 yard radius. So we're listening to about 200 acres and the number of coveys counting. So if we count 12, we can take that number, divide it by 10 and we get a crude estimate of density. So at 12 coveys, if we heard that many, would be about 1.2 birds per acre. That'd be a really good call count. 
Takes a lot of people though, right? You've got one individual at each station? Well, we typically have three to four employees working uh, during the month of October. So again, we'll get, we just do the odd numbered mile markers and we do those twice during the month of October. So we have a replicate of our counts. What would you suggest as resources for landowners, for individuals who'd like to actually try some of these methodologies to determine how many quail are out there? Uh, there's some resources on your website? That's right, there's a number of number of uh, different resources. There's one that uh, I did when working for Extension called uh, How to Count Quail, or Quail Counting Techniques, I mm -hmm. believe it's called. Mm -hmm. So you can look for that. That is, uh, will we'll lead you through these various options and give you some backgrounding on it. And then there's a series of uh, YouTube webisodes that okay. are available on our website. These were produced with Texas a AgriLife Extension. And so how to do a spring cock call count, how to do a fall covey call count, all these various components of this Texas Quill Index are basic. There's a YouTube video that is associated with that aspect, and they can uh, look at that and be able to be up to speed pretty quickly. And occasionally, Dale, I suspect you also host workshops at the research ranch in which maybe some of these techniques are explained. That's right. Uh, one of the more successful workshops we've developed over the last 15 years is called Quail Masters, which is the adult version of the Bob White Brigade. We can't work adults as hard as we do those kids at Bob White Brigade, but they have some very intensive homework assignments, one of which is do this quail index on your property. So again, they have the knowledge of, of how to conduct these various protocols. If I'm out listening for the quail those mornings and I hear a mockingbird, does a mockingbird tell me anything about where I'm at from a timing standpoint? If you're doing the fall covey call counts, again, this happens at about 40 minutes before official sunrise. Not about 32, not about 56, about 40 minutes. If you ever arrive, if you're running late, and by the time you step out of the pickup, you're hearing the mockingbirds chirping, you just missed it. Oh, no. So the Bob Whites uh, preceded that. So if you hear the mockingbirds chirping, you can just get back in the pickup and go back and have a cup of coffee because you just missed the cup of coffee. As you visit with landowners, Dale, quail hunters, just those uh, passionate about quail in Texas, this is probably one of the topics that is maybe least understood in terms of how to determine what quail are out there, but if they practice it and they try it, they can really become very astute in learning those numbers. They can become a better student. And anytime anybody introduces me as an expert on quail, by the time I'm walking from my chair up to the lectern, I guarantee you I'm saying this under my breath. There's a whole lot about quail that I don't understand. And so the, the whole idea of the, of the whistle call counts, it's a crude index but it beats better than, beats having nothing at all kind of thing. Any other technology out on the horizon, Dale, that could help this effort, uh, whether it's radio telemetry, whether it's uh, some other technologies that are starting to be utilized in wildlife management that could help? Well, there are some remote acoustic devices. Interesting. And I've never used these, but for um, some birds like uh, white-winged doves, mm -hmm. they can have a number of these set up and then they can record the, you know, that audio that they hear remotely and then go back and uh, probably have computer software and algorithms that would help them say this is about how many doves we're hearing so that kind of technology is is uh, out there I'm not particularly high on that because again I'm very high on involvement yes and one of the lessons that I learned through many years of doing spotlight counts and helicopter counts for white-tailed deer and how landowners receive them if you're a landowner and you hire me to do a helicopter count I hand you the data sheet and say, here, Gary, this is what we saw. As opposed to if I take you and five of your buddies in the back of a pickup and you're doing the spotlight counts, tell me and I forget, show me and I remember, 
involve me and I understand. Yes. Gets them engaged, gets that's them passionate. Exactly. They've got that, hands on experience that's right. in that. Best way. fertilizer is the footprint of the farmer. Does a game camera help us, Dale? As we look at just anecdotal evidence of birds coming to areas in which you have camera, does that supplement your Well, camera? it, it uh, number one, it's fun. Yes. You know, again, I always refer to game cameras as my electronic trap line, and I used to trap as a youngster and always enjoyed that. So if I set that game camera on a water trough during July or August, that allows me to do a couple of things, just how many birds are coming in, and then how many coming in with broods. Okay. And so that brood availability that brood production that is one of the real black boxes in quail management so it gives me a little bit of intel there tell me about brad's research there's an individual that's done some good work in terms of quail counts we again we're working on our 10th year of, of collecting data at the research ranch and so i had a young man by the name of brad kubechka work on his master's degree and he took basically that first eight years and said we're going to crunch the numbers and see what kind of relationships we see here Brad did an excellent job. He's now working on his PhD down at uh, University of Georgia in Tall Timbers, mm -hmm. a super graduate student, and did a really good job with this. So he's basically asked the question and analyzed the data to say just how effective are these call counts at estimating breeding populations, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, hunting populations mm -hmm. versus helicopter counts and so forth. And so uh, we'll have a publication coming out, a technical publication, and from that we'll be spinning off some popular uh, publications as well. So folks, if you're interested in some of these topics, learning some of the techniques, some of the technology that's being used to determine how many quail are out there, check out quailresearch.org. There's some great materials, uh, great links uh, to help you do that. Dr. Dale, as always, uh, the, the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch and the Foundation are on the leading edge of some of these efforts. Uh, what are you excited about? What's on the horizon uh, that you're looking forward to right now? Well, I hope we have some exciting news coming here over the next year, and uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. What I'm excited about right now and anxious about, and anxious means there's some anxiety in mm -hmm. there, it's just not just all eagerness. Again, is the fact that we're coming off of what was one of the poorest quail years and just how quickly can we rebound. In 2015, we saw a 450% increase in our quail population. Bob Whites are not supposed to be able to do anything but double from one year to the next. We went up twice that. Anxious to see if we can pull that rabbit out of our hat again this year. Well, thank you, Dr. Dale. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this month's episode of Dr. Dale on Quail. We'd like to also thank the good folks at the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service for their support and for their efforts. Uh, for those of you that'd like more information, please check out the website, quailresearch.org. I'm Gary Joyner with the Texas Farm Bureau. Until next time, thank you for listening. Support from Gordian Sons Outfitters makes Dr. Dale on Quail possible. Gordian Sons, the finest hunting and fly fishing shop to be found. Find out more at GordianSons.com.